When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host Dominic Booth and I'm joined by a bit of a, a rotated team uh, for this episode. We've got Tyrone Marshall um, and we've got Stephen Railston. Hello to you both. Hello Dom. Good afternoon Dominic, how are you? Very good. Hopefully no drop-off in quality despite the, uh, <laughs> the squad rotation I'm sure. Um, we'll treat we'll treat this one like a Carabao Cup tie, but um, you can make your case for first team include, inclusion, Stephen. Um, United obviously slipped to uh, a one-all draw against Everton in the Premier League at the weekend. Um, disappointing result, obviously, with Anthony Martial making a surprise start and scoring a surprise goal, I suppose, and Everton hitting back through Andros Townsend. Ronaldo storming off at the end. Um, Tyrone... It was, I suppose it was a, a similar level of performance to what we saw against Villarreal. Obviously, Ronaldo produced a late goal to win that. Um, and it was a similar level of disappointment to Villa. It, it just feels like it's not clicking at the moment for United. Yeah, very much so. I mean, I think we could arguably probably play the podcast from last week because I thought the same the same failings were, were on show that were on show against Villa, on show against Villarreal. And it is, you know, it, it, it's not just the results, although the results are damning. Well, United might still be in a good position in the league. The fact they've dropped points to Southampton, Villa and Everton, two of them at home, suggests they're not going to be in that title fight. It, it's just not going to happen on current level of performances. And it is the performances that are more of a concern than the points for me. Um, three games in a row at Old Trafford and, you know, United were lucky to win one of them, to, to be honest. It's just not, you know, it's not good enough at either end of the pitch at the moment. It's not clicking in attack. It's, it's entirely reliant on individuals. I don't think we've seen in those three games United produce any combination play that's involved three or four players putting a move together, clever movement, opening up defence. It's all just, you know, it. it, it Soska said after the Villa game, I think it was, that they were attacking too quickly. And you can see what he means because it's completely, the games are chaotic, completely chaotic. There's no, there's no controlling from a United point of view. It's just get the ball forward quickly. Someone's got it, get it forward. There's no kind of like, right, we've got the ball, let's just calm it down doesn't matter if they get their defensive structure right because we've got players that, that can break them down and we can open them up with passing and, and movement. There's just none of that. It's just attack at 100 miles an hour. The attack's over. They've got the ball. We're out of position. They're coming at us. And you know the, the quality of chances that all three teams at Old Trafford this week have had is extremely alarming, I think, from a, from a United point of view. They've given up so many good chances. And you know, when it wasn't working defensively last year, we all said, well, you know, Lindelof's not good enough. They need a world-class partner next to Maguire. They've now got a world-class centre-half in Varane. I know Maguire was out. Um, they've got a world-class left-back. They've got a decent right-back. He, you know, he may be the weak link in that defence, but he's still pretty decent defensively. They've got a goalkeeper who Solskjaer is saying is back to his best. There's no excuses for that defence. And they've kept one clean sheet in 10 at the start of the season. When their start to the season, frankly, has been should have been a cakewalk. It's the easiest start of any of the title contenders. They've had easy Champions League games. And they've kept one clean sheet. And even that was hugely fortunate. And, and thanks to De Gea at Wolves. So, you know, I think without wanting to be too negative, even though I've just been negative for about two minutes, 
you know, it, it feels to me like there's problems at both ends of the pitch. And as, as much as it's a results-based business, it's the performances that is concerning for me at the moment is the points. Yeah, well, I can't disagree with with it, despite the negativity. Um, Stephen, I guess a lot of these issues that Tyra mentioned there, the defence, the quality may be there, but a lot of people will probably point to the midfield being the issue and the fact that the midfield isn't isn't doing its job in terms of either covering for the the defence or providing the opportunities for the attack. Is is it as simple as that? Do you think? Um, almost. I mean, if you look back towards that Leeds game at the start of the season, what a performance that was. Um, 5-1 and there's so much enthusiasm for fans and hope and optimism and then Ronaldo signs and you think, God, could they really do it? Could they chance for the Premier League title this season? And yet, yeah, didn't get a midfielder and obviously fans were still pointing that and there's still a bit of disappointment over that. And then you come and you watch the games this season and I think you're right, I think that is the glaring issue. There's still not really a balance in midfield and you started Fred and McTominay in that double pivot and yet, where was the protection for that back forward? Was pretty much non-existent. As Ty touched on, look, before the start of the season, I wrote on my pieces as well, that back four is the best I've had in the post-Alex Ferguson era. And it is probably a, a title-challenging, worthy back four. And, and yeah, they've looked flustered and they've probably not looked as good as last season. But Lindelof was poor on the weekend, but he didn't come in and equip himself very well. On Basaka, obviously, he's had a shaky few weeks, red card against young boys. <clears throat> pardon me but he, he bounced back really well and obviously there's been criticism and some scrutiny around his attack and output but it was nice to see him get forward a bit um on the weekend and so that was a positive to take but yeah you're right in the midfield the problems still remain i just don't know how he's going to fix it because it seems like they do need a singing um and we've also discussed the formation change i think that might be in the offing uh, soon fernandez talked after the game about wanting some change and maybe that is the change that Solskjaer will have to implement yeah, well, the elephant in the room, I suppose, when you talk about change and, and what the fans are talking about at the moment, Tyrone, is, is this building pressure on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. You, you, you can't look on social media, you can't really tweet about United at the moment um, without getting someone replying saying Ole out in, in your direction. And I know that it's been addressed by many pundits, Gary Neville, Rio Ferdinand, none of them are are saying Ole out. They're, they're saying give him a little bit more time. They're saying, yes, there's pressure. So is this section of the fan base, are they wrong? Uh, you know, are they are they harsh on Solskjaer to, to be saying this at this stage, Tyrone? Yeah, I think, you know, I think there's pressure on him, but I don't think we've reached the stage where Oli out is, is realistically going to happen. Um, I mean, it comes to something when even MUTV can't do a broadcast without Oli out cropping up. Um, but I don't think we're... That was funny, think, though, to be fair. That was pretty funny, yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't think we're anywhere near the state where the club would consider him under pressure or would consider making a change. And I think, you know, he he has undoubtedly done good things at this club. And even if he were to leave, I think his tenure has been a success even without a trophy for the squad that he's built, the harmony that he's built. You know, he, he's done an awful lot of good things at United. But this season, you know, there there is undoubtedly a pressure to win a trophy and, and be close this season. And he's brought some of it on himself with the signings. He embraced Ronaldo's signing which was a brave move because it adds to the pressure. But, you know, when, when Ronaldo signed, in that press conference he did on, on the day he signed, when it became clear that Solskjaer knew United were, were going to scupper City, he must have referred to Ronaldo as the best player ever four or five times in that press conference. And if you've got the best player ever in your team, you shouldn't be losing at home to Aston Villa and drawing at home to Everton. So, you know, there, there, there is a pressure that's, that's come with that. And, the, you know, the performances just haven't been good enough. I think, you know, tactically, there's, there's still concerns, especially in the Champions League, where you come up against you know, a different level of coaching to what you get in the Premier League. I'm not saying it's better, but it, it's different and it requires a different approach. And he's coming up short so often in those sort of games. But he is still learning on the job. You know, he's he's still relatively new to, to coaching at this highest level. And I think United have invested so much faith in him over the last couple of years that I don't think they would 
pull the trigger too early. If anything, I think they'll pull it too late. So I don't think we're near a, a case where he's he's under pressure from the club. It was pretty clear on Saturday that his name was still being sung. And, you know, I, I don't think matchgoers, I think the vast, the huge majority of matchgoers are still behind him, even if they've got the same sort of concerns as us, I guess, and, and are seeing the same things as us. I think they're still hugely behind him. It's, you know, it's the social media fans that are, that are most vocal. Matchgoers are, are singing his name still every week. So, you know, I don't think we're anywhere near a mutiny. I don't think we're anywhere near anything being taken or the club taking any, any you know, proactive approach to it. But the pressure is certainly building incrementally. And I think the run of fixtures over the next two months is it could well be defining. Yeah, the, the bit I would, I would pick up on there, though, Ty, and maybe, Stephen, you could you could join in on this, is is that Solskjaer is learning on the job and that he doesn't quite have the, the tactical calibre, I suppose, of a, a Guardiola, a Klopp, Tuchel, you know, the managers of United's three rivals. And I think that was shown in the, the Sunday kickoff between Liverpool and, and Manchester City, which is such a thrilling game and such a high-quality game. At the moment, you can't really imagine United being a part of a game like that, can you? And and that probably does come down to Solskjaer. And that's maybe what the these fans who are who are calling for him to, to go, or at least calling for pressure and scrutiny on him, that's what they're saying. Yeah, I think questions of <clears throat> Solskjaer's um, tactical credentials have, have sometimes been unfair um, to the, the level of the criticism that he's received. I think he has proved in some big games that he, he can rise up to the challenge. But as you've said, in recent games last season as well, obviously some of the criticism is definitely justified. The performances recently just haven't been good enough and he's been backed and he admitted just in his press conferences um, recently, look, he has been backed, it is time to deliver trophies and there's no more time for excuses, basically. Um, it was interesting, Gary Neville made the point that Solskjaer has been a fantastic bridge manager as such, as Ty kind of touched upon. He's came in, he's after Jose Mourinho's mess he left behind and the kind of the Belgian wage bill and the players he had to clear out. And he's created a, a harmonious group. And obviously the players look, they enjoy coming to Carrington now, which was a, a big thing in bringing the so-and-so United DNA back to the club. But yeah, it's getting to that point now where questions do have to be asked over his tactics. And the 4 2 3 one, as I kind of said before, I think it's getting to the point where they have to make a change because where else is that improvement going to come from? Um, and he obviously made five changes for the game at the weekend. Um, Martial obviously came in, but... Where was Van der Beek? Where was Jesse Lingard? Surely that's the time to give Jadon Sancho a chance as well. He's not exactly hit the ground running and that would have been the perfect opportunity for him to come in and get some confidence to, to start off. Obviously, he came on from off the bench and he, he looked quite good. But I would like to see him start on the weekend. So, yeah, def definitely questions remaining over Solskjaer at the moment. And I tweeted the other day, the pressure is only going to build. Mourinho got sacked in around Christmas time um, in 2019. And if it carries on the way it does, you could see it getting like that. I thought it was... Um, sorry, I, I thought it was interesting... Tactically, I don't know if we touched on this last week um, after the Villarreal game, but what he did tactically against Villarreal in in terms of sort of Dallo's role and you know trying to move him into into midfield next to Matomane and, and freeing Pogba up, were, it was a good approach in terms of um, you know getting one of those two pivots playing further forward. And he actually touched on that. I asked him before the Wolves game back at the start of the season if if Van der Beek could play as one of the pivots, and in the answer he said we've worked on ways at, at getting one of them like Paul or, or Donny in the team, but playing further forward. And using a fullback inside is, is a way of doing it. And we've seen City do that really successfully. It didn't really work against Villarreal. I know got Dallow a lot got a lot of criticism, but I felt sorry for him, really. It, it worked. That works for City because City, you know, Guardiola hates his team counter-attacking. If his team are on a counter-attack, he'd rather they stopped and allowed and built up play, allowed the fullback to get into midfield, used 30 or 40 passes to break down a team rather than attacking. Because if you attack at speed and the players aren't in the right position, you lose the ball, you're vulnerable. 
So Pep wants his team to, to build play slowly, get the players in position, get Cancelo into midfield or Zinchenko into midfield and build play. But United aren't really doing that. So as soon as Dallow got in midfield, the move broke down and he had to go back to right back. And, you know, in the first half, he had Solskjaer pointing to him to be midfield and the move would break down and have Lindelof screaming at him to get back. The, the poor fella didn't know if he was coming or going. So, you know, it was an inventive move and it was good to see that, that Solskjaer was trying something to to get a player moving further forward. But I think if that's going to be the approach from United and they are going to try something differently, then the biggest area they need to improve on is, is controlling games and, and slowing attacks down rather than trying to attack at 100 miles an hour in every single attack. They need to sometimes just put the foot on the ball and say, right, get players in position, build up play and, and then try and break teams down. Absolutely. I have to see whether that does pan out that way. We both mentioned it there. I was going to touch upon Donny van der Beek. It must have been at least two or three podcasts before we've had a big chat about his role and how much game time he should get. I'm going to offer a perspective on this. Is I, I think that United have no choice now with, with Donny van der Beek. I think he, is a sim- he can be a similar type of number eight to the way that Scott McTominay plays that role. We've seen McTominay being basically box-to-box player, breaking into the box late. Van der Beek probably can offer that, but then with maybe a better range of passing on top of it. Solskjaer, clearly though, Stephen, doesn't see Van der Beek as, as a deep-lying midfielder. He, he sees basically that he's got three of those in his squad, Fred, McTominay and Matic. And Van der Beek's basically competing either with Pogba if he plays uh, an advanced number eight, or he's competing with... Bruno Fernandes, and therefore he doesn't get in the, in the side because those two players are, are probably superior. Is that is that basically the the nub of it? It's incredibly frustrating, isn't it? Um, the player that played for Ajax in that Champions League campaign when they made it to the semi-final um, against Tottenham, he was fantastic. CH alongside him, Delit as well, who went to Juventus, and obviously that team just got picked off eventually. And there was so much excitement when he came to United for 40 million. What a prospect before United had got. And it's just not worked out. Obviously, last season, I feel like uh, Solskjaer would have saw him in that number 10 role that obviously Fernandez, Fernandez was in. But in pre-season, I think we all made the observation that um, Van der Beek bulked up a bit. He looked physically the most strong he's been since his arrival. And I think you could tell that in games as well. I know he only played, what was it, 40 minutes or a half against young boys, came off because of the red card. But he was uh, there was a bit of tenacity about his game. He was getting stuck in and, and putting his foot in where maybe we haven't saw him do that in the past. And then against... Um, West Ham in the cup as well. He was the best player on the night. I think that was the general consensus as well among supporters. So it was incredibly frustrating to see him not start. And there is murmurings now, obviously, about his agent coming out and maybe trying to engineer a move away in January. And it's starting to get to that stage where you wouldn't blame the player for trying to seek a move away. But I think he could offer United something different in a double pivot. And I don't know what Solskjaer's reason for not playing him is. You think, what's he got to lose now? With no limitations of Freddie McTominay. It's Matic coming in, do you know what I mean? We, we know what they're capable of, so surely it's time to roll the dice now. If he is to come in, Tyrone, what's the what's the best blend for him? In, in if we're talking about a two or a three in the middle of the park, what what do you feel is the best way to to get the best out of Van der Beek? I think he can play one of the deeper roles, um, but again, he, he, it seems a strange. The more we the more this goes on, it seems a strange signing to me because he's. I think it's telling that he started four of what forty five. Premier League games now, I think. And he started four of eight Champions League games that he's been available for. So, you know, it, he's trusted in Champions League games where theoretically the, the pace of play is a bit slower. In the Premier League, he's not trusted to play in one of those deeper roles. But I think he's, you know, that Ajax team, again, was possession-based. They controlled games and they controlled it through, you know, Van der Beek could slow the game down. He could speed it up when needed, but generally it would slow it down. And you see it when he plays instead of Fernandes in that number 10 role that, 
Fernandez gets the ball and his first thought is, where's the adventurous pass? Where's the pass that can open a defence? That's often not Van der Beek's first thought. Van der Beek's first thought is, you know, let, let's keep the ball. Let's wait for something to open up. Let's open a team up. And he looks a player who's just ill-suited to the way United play at the moment. I think if, you know, if United develop into a possession-based team where they're having 60, 65% possession, where they're controlling games, then Van der Beek is, is ideal for that role. But at the moment, when the work of that double pivot is basically just getting back in position when another attack breaks down, I don't, you know, I don't think that's suited to him at all. So he looks at the moment like a player signed that just doesn't fit in this team. So, you know, he was a bargain at, at that fee, but he's not a bargain if you've signed, a, you know, basically a square peg to go in a round hole. And at the moment, that's what he is. He's not suited to a team that play at 100 miles an hour where games are turning into basketball matches going from end to end. If you're going to slow the game down and try and control games, I think he could easily play as one of those double pivots. But if it's going to continue to be, let's try and play on the break, let's attack as quick as we can, let's go from... A to B as quick as we can, then I just don't think it's going to work for him. No, and it doesn't look like he, the, the upcoming run of games that United have after this international break are really suited to him either, does it? it, it that looks like Fred and McTominay to me, and I know that that may you know boil the blood of some fans on social media who have got a real thing against that McFred partnership as they're known. But but Stephen, this run of games United have got after the after the break, playing the likes of Leicester, Liverpool, City. Um, two games against Atalanta in the Champions League as well. It is easy to say make or break for for Solskjaer, but it, it does feel that way. And maybe we'll see. Well, we may have already seen it, but we may we may get it confirmed who he really trusts to start these games, who he's going to turn to 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 get United back on track and to get his own fortunes back on track. This isn't really the first time we've had across Solskjaer's reign that we've came into it. A run of fixtures like this before crikey the pressure is really going to come on to him and usually he's, he's exceeded expectations and he's pulled a few huge results out of somewhere um he's always got the momentum back on side and obviously there is a huge few results at the international break um coming up but what i will say for all the limitations of mctominay and fred i feel like in the games against the weaker sides i just wrote this in my piece for this afternoon perhaps because united want to be on the more front front uh, and games they're not don't suit those kind of games but against the bigger sides against your cities for example against liverpool who, who united are going to play after in the international break i think mctominay and fred might actually be the best option and i know that might sound insane considering what we've just been discussing and their flaws and, and, and their performances in recent weeks but united will probably have less of the ball well we know they will have less of the ball against city um, and liverpool for example and if they just kind of sit there and soak up the pressure and they can be ruthless on the counter-attack as ty said solskjaer said maybe we were attacking too quick but that'll uh that'll definitely work against city liverpool to, to hit them at the back and both those sides can't have proved they can concede goals this season they're not fantastic at the back and united could definitely find joy in the counter-attack and maybe just maybe i know it sounds a bit insane like i say and i might get some criticism for it but Tommy and fred might be uh might be important to that. Yeah, at so Stephen so. Railston, I think. Uh, <laughs> yeah, to get into it. <laughs> um, yeah, those, yeah those, those make or break sort of moments that Stephen touched on before that we've had with Solskjaer, it's interesting. They always seem to come before big games, like Liverpool at home a couple of years ago, I think. Um, the, the October international break, it felt like he was under huge pressure and picked up a result with the first team to stop Liverpool winning. Uh, later that year in December, I think they had Tottenham and City in a week. And again, it felt like the pressure was big and I think they won them both. And it's interesting, they always come in, in big games. And Stephen's right that they are suited to play in those big games. The, the big games, you know, work for United in a way. And it, it, it's adapting to play against the teams they should beat. That's an issue. And, you know, I was at Anfield yesterday and people who cover 
Liverpool and City regularly, talking about United, fully expect them to pick up enough results over the next sort of six weeks in difficult games to make Solskjaer safe as houses again. And, you know, I don't think of any any surprise in this run if it did, you know, beat City, beat Chelsea, maybe get a draw against Liverpool or the other way around and beat Tottenham and, you know, basically pick up enough results in this difficult run that by the start of November or the end of November, I think, when it is when the run ends, everyone's looking at it going, yeah, well, yeah, they're making progress. They've picked up good results and we're kind of back to that belief that, that they're on the right track. And, uh, you know, I don't think, it, given their record against top teams, I don't think it'd be any surprise if that happened. Yeah, it is a bit strange, Steve, when you actually look at the table, United are two points off the top. They've only lost once out of seven. All their rivals are, are pretty much next to them in terms of points and um, only Chelsea you know, have stretched away at the, the tiniest margin. And in the Champions League, United have, have got three points and if they beat Atalanta in the next game, they're in pole position to qualify. So it's not actually a disastrous situation, but it still feels like Solskjaer needs this improvement. Yeah, they're still within uh, reach, obviously, of the, the top of the table, well within reach and among the, the rivals, but context is needed, isn't it? I think they've had the easiest run of games and they've looked the least convincing of all the sides. City have played um, Leicester, Liverpool, Tottenham, and is it... City, Chelsea. Chelsea, Chelsea, yeah, thanks, Ty. And, and they've got more points than United. Uh, our colleague Simon Bakowski tweeted that uh, at the weekend. I thought it was a very good point. So when you when you look at it like that, it's, it's a bit of a scary four, actually, isn't it? When you when you look at it like that. And obviously, the table, though, as you said, if you if you want to look at it like a, a half-glass kind of full way, yeah, United are still in touch. But it's, it's going to be a huge month, and it's almost going to be a, a tenure deciding few a few weeks coming up for Solskjaer. Because if, if they don't pass the test... I think, as I say, I don't really want to suggest the four, but could be gone by Christmas if, if he doesn't come for this period as, as good as he, as he would hope. I think I'm glass half full and you're glass half empty based on this podcast so far, Stephen. <laughs> that's just always, that's always the way I look at it, I'm afraid. Spent too, too long covering Cardiff City in the Championship to be glass <laughs> half empty. You get just too depressed otherwise. Uh, Ty, what, what can we expect then from United? What can they work on during the international break? It, are we going to see any seismic changes after it to to show something that Solskjaer has done to to change the momentum, a tactical shift or change of personnel? What can be done? Um, I'm not sure we'll see anything noticeable in games because, as Stephen said, that Fred McTominay pivot tends to work against City and Liverpool and Chelsea and Tottenham and, and those sort of big games. So I'm not sure we'll see anything noticeable. You know, I, I guess the interesting thing is whether he looks to to revisit using kind of a fullback in midfield, trying to find a different way to get one of the midfielders going forward. There's not many games coming up where you'll necessarily see that. But, you know, in terms of a tactical shift, it, it's been 4-2-3-1 pretty much all season. Yet we know in the summer he was telling players he wants to use 4-3-3 more often. Like I mentioned, he said before Wolves that he was looking at ways to get one of those midfielders going further forward. So there is obviously some kind of plan to, to work on that. It, you know, it's difficult to do it, I guess, during this international break because the players it involves are all going away on international duty. So it's difficult to do it. And I'm not sure, like I said, I'm not sure there's a run of fixtures coming up where you'd necessarily see it more often. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we, we turn up at Leicester in a couple of weeks and it's 4-2-3-1 and Fred and McTominay. I'm not sure we're going to see any any major changes. But in terms of long term, I think, you know, the most interesting thing is whether he does look to move away from that 4-2-3-1 and, you know, maybe use it as a starting base, but, but try and become, you know, a bit more fluid in terms of getting... Pogba or maybe even Van der Beek playing that role as a starting point, but moving further forward and, and getting cover inside, you know, those are the options, I guess, to develop. But 
I don't think we're going to turn up at Leicester in two weeks and look at the team and look at how they're playing and think, blimey, they've, they've done some own work over these two weeks. I think it'll be very similar to what we've seen before. And finally, Stephen, is there anything that, that United players can do over the international break? There's obviously a few of them heading out on international duty. Uh, who needs a good international break? Who needs to do something with their country to, to really benefit United when they come back? I think it's actually the players like Van der Beek. He's been left out of the squad, hasn't he? Um, some of the interesting players that we're, we're talking about that could make an impact aren't actually going away with their countries. Um, is, is Lingard called up, lads? I can't really remember. Is Lingard yeah. in the squad? Is he in the squad? So that, yeah. That's big. Um, I'd quite like to see him come back. I wrote that he, he should have started against Everton. I thought his in, impact off the bench has been excellent in the last few weeks and he did brilliantly to set up that goal for Ronaldo against Villarreal. I think his uh, his credit wasn't really talked about much, uh, too much. But yeah, so I think that he's an interesting one to keep an eye on. He always plays well for England and maybe he could force his way into the United side for the trip to Leicester um, on that left side. Obviously, Rashford will be back then as well. So that'll be an interesting um, prospect. And Jaden Sancho, another one, Tyrone, you've written about him today and how he did show, I think he showed flickers against Everton of what he's about. And if he has a good international break within with England and then comes back confident, it could be the start, the start really of his United career in terms of real influence on games. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think Gareth Southgate was pretty honest when he said he, on form, he, he maybe doesn't deserve to be in that squad and... I know Solskjaer tried to counter that by saying he was electric against Villarreal when, you know, he, he clearly wasn't. Um, but he was a lot better off the bench against Everton. It does feel like he needs a, a run of games. It's not really happened for him yet. Um, I put in that piece that his record against what you would say are, are fairly big teams in the Bundesliga was was very good. And United will get more space to, to attack down the wings against these bigger sides. So it might work for him. But, the you know, the options, I put in that piece that the options are just incredible and it, it's going to be impossible to keep everyone happy and to give them a run of games. You know, if, we, if we're playing that 4-2-3-1 and we're presuming Fernandez is a certainty to start pretty much all of those games, then you're looking at uh, Pogba, Lingard, Martial, Rashford, Ronaldo, Cavani, Sancho, Greenwood, three from eight starting those games, five of them on the bench. I mean, that is just, that's an, you know, that's an embarrassment of an embarrassment of riches. You know, it's absolutely incredible attacking talent, but the reality is that not all of them can play and it is going to be a case probably of one in and one out and it's hard to build up a head of steam and a momentum and you, you think Pogba's probably a certainty to start a lot of those games. Rashford's a big game player, so might get a few. So maybe leaves Sancho and Greenwood competing on the right, possibly. The you know, the the, the attacking resources in that squad are, are absolutely incredible. So it'll be interesting to see how he sort of rotates them in this run of big games. And I do think Sancho needs a run of games. I think they might suit him, but equally I I don't think it'll happen. Just to piggyback on that point, sorry, Don, before you cut in, I thought Fernandez hasn't been at his best in recent weeks. Um, some sloppy passes and just maybe not as playing at his, his usual levels that he does. So that'd be interesting to see. Never usually plays um, too well as he does to his United levels with Portugal, um, actually, if you actually watch him at European Championship and stuff. So he'll be an interesting player to follow across the next two weeks, see if he can pick up his form again, because he'll be crucial for United in these big games. He absolutely will. Yeah, we'll have to leave it on that note. It'll be interesting to see how much rotation does go on after the, after the international break and those tough fixtures United have got coming up. It, unless Solskjaer tries a 2-2-6 formation or something like that, then, <laughs> then Tyrone has very much highlighted it there. Uh, but thank you very much, Tyrone. Thank you, Stephen, for uh, being on the podcast today. Pleasure. Thank you, John. And we'll be back for you, back with another episode of the Manchester is Red podcast for you very, very soon. Please leave us a like and a subscribe. And thanks very much for listening.